Welcome back to After the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, and Israel Adesanya just absolutely ran through Paulo Costa. I mean, I thought a lot of us thought that this was going to be some fight of the year. I know that's what Dana thought. I thought that personally, Paulo Costa was going to give him his most serious fight to date, to date, and a and a real test. And I mean. When you talk about those multi-strike combinations of Paulo Costa, they weren't there, man. I mean, the only thing he landed was a couple body kicks, and you got to give so much credit to Izzy Adesanya chopping him down with the calf kicks. And eventually, once he ha once he found that home and he hit him with that nice little shot behind the ear, uh, that, was, uh, that was all she wrote, man. So that was easy work. I thought it was going to be the serious fight, and it wasn't at all. It was just pure domination, and it just goes to show the kind of greatness that we're dealing with uh, with a guy like Izzy Adesanya. Now, I got two very special guests joining me here today. First up, I got my man, Rob Brown Betting. Y'all know him, uh, you know, famous handicapper. He's been doing his thing for years, uh, someone I respect. He's over there in the UK doing his thing. We got my boy, Rob Brown Betting. And then also, I got my 21-year-old phenom, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead, undefeated as a pro, 21 years old. Uh, pro debut coming up early 2021. Uh, the fight IQ is off the charts with this kid. We both really enjoyed uh, watching these fights tonight. So let's get down to business. Uh, Rob Brown betting. This is the first time you make an appearance on Half the Battle or After the Battle. And I think this is the first time that most people have even heard you talk. I know you got the Kermit icon. Uh, what's going on, Rob Brown? Well, what's up, Dan? It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. I've been listening for probably two or three years now and uh feeling good after a win and uh excited to be on the show man uh the pleasure's all mine and jamar the rockstar whitehead you know my 21 year old phenom like i said one of my best friends in life uh love this kid how's it going jamar it's good bro how are you man i'm doing fucking fantastic but the question is how are you hey man it's always a good day when you're the fucking rock star that's right you enjoy the fights tonight absolutely bro Awesome. Tell, they were really, really good. They really were, weren't they? Uh, so let's get right down to business. So, I mean, look this main event here between uh, Izzy Adesanya and Paulo Costa. I mean, I know from Rob's perspective, because he bet on Izzy, he thought it was going to be this easy work. But, like, I, we're going to get to your opinion in a sec. I, I want to know if it was even easier than you thought it would be, because, like, I know you maybe thought that you'd have to sweat that first round. But there was like no sweating any points of that fight. I mean, it was really uh, just Izzy Adesanya, you know, establishing the jab, but mostly the calf kick. That was the big story of the fight. And it seemed to me like Paulo Bohachinia, I don't know if he was trying to kind of pace himself a little bit, trying to save, you know, his energy for the later rounds. If he was trying to, you know, maybe maybe piss off Izzy and make him take an unnecessary risk with all that taunting. I mean, look, the things that Paulo landed were a couple hard body kicks, no doubt about it. But aside from that, I mean, it wasn't the same forward pressure that we were used to. It wasn't the same punches and bunches. Cause I know people like to act like, Oh, he's just some brawler that wings a couple overhands. But I like, do when you watch these fights, he's throwing 10 punch combinations there. I don't think he even threw a two punch combination against Izzy Adesanya. So I think we're looking at a true all-time great here in uh, the last style bender. Izzy Adesanya, Rob Brown. What do you think, man? Yeah, man, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I wasn't going to sweat that first round. But, yeah, like I said, way easier than I expected it to be. Um, 
once once Costa started taunting like two minutes in, like you could tell he started getting frustrated way too quickly. And once he started taunting, I thought it was over. And then, like you said, them calf kicks, uh, he just got way too frustrated way too quickly. And after that, it was over, really. He couldn't really land anything. And I mean, man, that one shot behind the ear, he already knew the deal. He wasn't getting back up from that. And, uh, you know, Izzy had all the right in the world to celebrate big time, especially with the kind of heat, the intensity going into this fight. And no part of it, you know, sell the fight and get everybody excited. But, you know, at the weigh-ins, like, listen, I know it's theatrics and all, but they got pretty heated with that little exchange where he gave him a white belt and, you know, Izzy threw it right back at him. And you knew that there was so much pride on the line in a fight like this so to see an emphatic result because going into it i was trying to do the whole thing where it's like you guys know i don't like to talk about well if they fight 10 times who's gonna win you know i i like to be right the one time that they fight but i really truly thought that this was going to be one of those fights where it was like these two could have a rematch these two could have a trilogy this could truly be a, a, a rivalry for the ages and after tonight's performance i'm not convinced of that anymore jamar i mean i don't i don't i never really understood how this fight could be in any question going not going for adesanya because i mean this is a guy who just went on his 100th fight this is what costa's 13th or 14th fight that's always been my opinion on the fight but going in i mean I'm not going to lie, of course, you know, just like a just like a fight day, you know, you get nervous. So especially because I did a little bit of betting myself. So um, seeing them walk out, I got nervous to see the first round like like you guys. But it was after seeing Paulo Costa ta uh, taunt Adansania two or three times in that first round. I realized, yeah, Adansania's got this all day. He was uh like you said, Costa wasn't throwing anything. It was almost like he was he was blinded by being in the uh, fighting for a championship fight for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Didn't really know what to do. And then you're fighting a guy who's arguably the best in the UFC right now. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And look, I, I felt like Izzy, he's so quick-witted. He had the perfect counter to the, to the Tani because... When, you know, Costa started making the faces and he started doing all these things. I don't know if you guys recall, but there was a very subtle thing that Izzy Adesanya did. He said to him, Yoel Romero, because you guys remember the Yoel Romero fight where Yoel refused to throw at him. And I feel like he broke Costa in that moment when he called him Yoel Romero, because basically what, Izzy, what he was saying was, you're scared to fight me right now. And for a guy like Paulo, who's got the kind of pride that he's got, and, you know, he's the eraser, you know, he's the Brazilian with the big muscles, you know, all these guys fall to his punches. I felt like that kind of maybe broke the bully a little bit, and then he still didn't throw anything after. So very bizarre performance. But when I when I say things like bizarre performance on Paulo's end, that's not discrediting the greatness of Izzy Adesanya, the perfect game plan coming out there, immediately immobilizing him with those calf kicks and just such an efficient and effective, uh, you know, performance by Izzy. He took no damage. I mean, one doesn't simply fight Paulo Costa and walk out without a scratch on their face. And that's exactly what uh, Israel, the last style bender Adesanya did, man. So God, it's just like one of those things where, you know, I was thinking, man, 
the, you know, two undefeated guys. This is going to be an all-time war. So at the betting line, I was thinking, hey, maybe it should be, you know, a pick them with a slight lean on the champ. I mean, even Vegas opened at minus 140 for Izzy Adesanya. That's the kind of respect that they had for Paulo Costa, but the public was actually sharp in this spot and they took it to close to two to one for Izzy Adesanya. So when I saw, you know, the plus 165 on Costa, I was like, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know when you give me these kind of odds on a guy like the eraser, who's going to fight for your money, I got to take the shot. And I got to say, he didn't fight for my money uh, tonight uh, in Abu Dhabi, Rob Brown. Yeah, um, I disagree with you a bit in in um, a, a bizarre performance because I, I know I, I did listen to your show, um, obviously early in the week, like I always do. Um, you had a, you had a few things to say about your eye hole lighting him up with a jab, like, and and I think like that that was quite a bad sign. I know it was a while ago, and and he had a quite impressive performance against Romero since, but. The Romero fight was actually one of the main reasons I picked. Uh, uh, I bet is he sorry at minus one sixty because after round one there was just so many openings and and he, he clearly slowed down and he clearly lost round three. So I just thought, like, if you fought a guy who's going to make him guess and and trick him with fence, it'll get frustrated and and that's that's what happened. I, I I'll admit. I didn't expect it to happen that quick. I didn't think he'd get frustrated that quick. And I did think there was a legit risk of a knockout in round one. But yeah, it, it was a, the fence and and the, just the level of technique, I think, that that baffled him on the night. But yeah, quite quite a baffling performance still. But I think just the level of the, the technique just fought with him. I think he's just too ex- inexperienced at this point. Yeah, no doubt about it. But, I mean, the thing that impressed me in the Costa versus Romero fight was this. I mean, we can all agree, yes, he did slow down. However, you don't see these guys going after Joel Romero the way that Paulo Costa did. Oftentimes, you know, I mean, no one really beats him that often. But the guys that do, they got to tip and run. They got to play it extremely safe. So the fact that Paulo Costa said, fuck it, threw caution to the wind, went right after Yoel Romero, I found that extremely admirable. And I know that Yoel, who's, you know, this absolute tank, he survived it. I wasn't convinced that Izzy was going to be able to survive it. But he wasn't even able to get off on half of that work against Izzy, man. It was... uh. Truly credit to the last style bender, Izzy Adesanya. So before we move on and answer a couple fan questions about the main event, uh, Rockstar, any last things you got to say about uh, Izzy versus Costa? Absolute world-class for style bender. I think style bender definitely showed the difference between a championship level and a contender level, if that makes sense. Um, I don't really see who else really challenges style bender at this point. And for Costa, I think he has a, a he has to have a lot more experience before he fights for the title again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, he's got to go out there and start being some of these guys like the Robert Whitakers, the Jared Cannoneers, the the Jack Hermansons, the Darren Tills, and if he's able to do that, then we can talk about another title shot. But for Izzy, let me pull up the rankings real quick and see what could potentially be next. Uh, for uh you know for the great Israel Adesanya. So right now, according to the rankings, they got Whitaker number one, who he already beat. They got Paulo Costa number two, who he already beat. 
and then they got Jared Cannonier. So that's what I want to see next. Now, if Jared Cannonier is able to get past, you know, the former champion Robert Whitaker, that's the next fight for Izzy Adesanya. He even said it himself. He's he publicly admitted that he believes that Jared Cannonier is the dark horse in the middleweight division and that's who he wants next so are you guys with me that if jared cannonier gets past you know the always dangerous the always tough the former champion and the former ultimate fighter winner robert whitaker that jared cannonier could be next in line uh for the great izzy adesanya rob yeah absolutely and i i do like him in that matchup as well definitely a unique threat you like you like who in the matchup sorry uh cannonier Okay, so you think Cannoneer might be the guy to dethrone the great Izzy? Oh, sorry, I've, I, I like him in the uh, Whitaker fight, but I think he's uh, a unique, unique threat to Izzy, definitely. Yeah, man, you know it's funny, and Izzy's actually been showing Jared Cannoneer a lot of respect. You know, he's saying he's the dark, the dark horse of the division. He even said some things like, "Sometimes little bros got to beat up big bro." And uh, Jamar, I, I know those words uh ring home with a guy like you so what do you think about the prospects of a fight between jared cannonier and uh, izzy adesanya man that's the next fight to make for sure i didn't even think about that guy you know he's he's kind of running under the radar in a way um cannonier of course and um yeah that he's he's a he's a monster bro he's definitely a monster very explosive i mean this is a guy who's beaten anderson silva just as one name you know um but I, he, he knocks out a lot of people i know that jack hermanson as well yeah but i'd rather see cannoneer fight no 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 i'm saying jared cannoneer knocked out jack hermanson as well oh really i didn't actually know that yeah 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 so he's been putting in work man he's been doing his thing and you know what's interesting about a guy like jared cannoneer is that he started his ufc career at heavyweight you know he was fighting all these guys actually knocked out uh the french guy cyril asker then drops down to 205 pounds um beat iwan kutalaba now he drops down again to 185 pounds and now he's a top three guy so it's amazing to see his transformation and i feel like now we're truly seeing the the best version the most scary version and potentially a a, a title challenger worthy version of jared cannonier rob brown yeah absolutely yeah definitely so gentlemen we also got to talk about uh this co-main event because uh jan blakovich went out there and defeated dominic reyes and you guys if you heard half the battle you knew i had some choice words to say about dominic reyes man i i Man, anytime he opens his mouth, I'm like, <laughs> it's always face palm. He's like very, very cringe. The guy ain't the brightest. And it's one of those things where after that John Jones fight, it's like, look, he gave John Jones a great fight. No, no doubt about it. Won the first two rounds. But as you guys know, in a five-round fight, winning the first two rounds does not mean you won the next three rounds. And I feel like he was hanging on to that, you know, acting like he got robbed and you know, then he's underestimating Jan Blakovich. You know, how could a guy that lost to Pat Cummins beat me in a fight? And it, I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't show up because that would be discrediting Jan Blakovich. But man, Jan Blakovich went out there, man. And I love the combinations. You know, he started busting up that body like from, from the jump. And as you guys know, even back in Jan Blakovich's UFC debut against Alir Latifi, where he stopped him, 
with a body kick. Uh, it's nice to see him go back to his bread and butter, but now he's mixing up his combinations nicely. It's not just, you know, a bunch of inactivity and then one big body kick. Now he's throwing his punches. He's mixing in his kicks. Uh, he's got some takedowns too. But, you know, the legendary Polish power that he always talks about, people used to, or even coming into this fight, people were completely discrediting it because they were saying, oh, he just beat, you know, Corey Anderson and Luke Rockhold, you know, big whoop. Who hasn't knocked those two out? But to me, it, it was more so than that. To me, it's the composure I'm seeing, the maturity, the fact that, I mean, sometimes for these guys, they truly have to have a couple fights inside the octagon to truly get their feet wet, to feel like they belong, to feel like they're the man. And I feel like now he's riding on supreme confidence and uh, he's, a, he's a UFC uh, world champion rockstar yeah man i mean he looked great tonight i mean the, I, I don't know if you guys saw reyes's nose i mean there wasn't much to see left you know what i'm saying it was completely shattered it was man crazy to see and his uh his rib too i've never seen a a bruise like that that quick in a fight you know what i'm saying um i think Jan looked great though man um as of for the 205 division, I see his biggest uh, threat being the number two ranked guy, Tiago Santos. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the guy, obviously, to fight next. That's a good fight. I think would I think that's a perfect fight to make right now. Hopefully, uh, Tiago Santos is healed up, ready to go. But uh, yeah, Jan looked great tonight. I love the combos. Really, cl uh, really clean Dutch combos. You know what I'm saying? Very hook. I don't know how to explain it uh, correctly, but very Dutch combos. It was very clean. It was very, very good to see. Well, what do you mean you don't know how to explain like, you know, it? You threw cross, hands and you followed up with kicks. You know, when you're turning it all the way over, using the momentum of your shoulders and your hips when you're turning. Makes sense. Dutch, Dutch combos. Yeah. No, it, it was beautiful. But look, speaking of Tiago Santos, what's interesting is, you know, they might have a little bit of a rivalry, a little bit of a rivalry because Tiago Santos actually is the last man to beat Jan Blakovich. He actually beat him by knockout. But right now, Tiago Santos is booked up with Glover Teixeira, and I could totally see the winner of that fight getting a title shot. See, what I think is going to happen right now, boys, is this is going to go back to the golden days of the light heavyweight division. What I mean by that, do you guys remember? how the light heavyweight division used to be musical chairs. You know, it went from Chuck to uh, to Rampage, to Forrest Griffin, to Rashad, to Machida, to Shogun. And then all of a sudden, John Jones, you know, stays the champion for about a decade. And then he finally said, you know what? You, you, you guys can have the belt and have fun with it. You know, I, I've cleared out the division. So now I feel like it's going to go back to that because there's all these different guys that can come out here, win the bell on any given night. I mean, you got Jan Blakovich, who a year ago, if someone would have said he'd be a future champ, people would have laughed in your face. You got Jan Blakovich, you got Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira, Alexander Rakic, and then there's some up-and-coming guys that I'm kind of high on too. I think Jamal Hill has a lot of potential. Now, while he's not in the, the conversation right now, I think down the line he can be. I think he's got that kind of potential. And just looking at the rankings right now, when you talk about the top five or the top six, I mean, it's the guys we already mentioned. It's the Reyes's, the Tiago Santos, the Jan Blakovic's, who's the champ right now, the Glover Teixeira's, the Alexander Rakic's. And then I think one guy that's flying under the radar 
is uh, this kid, uh, Yuri Prohaska. So I think there's so many options for the champion, Jan Blakovich, and I truly believe that they are going to start playing uh, musical chairs at 205, Rob Brown. Yeah, man. So um, I actually drank, the, uh, the, the like a lot of people, uh, drank the Dominic Reyes Kool-Aid a bit in this fight. I actually agreed with the odds, thought it was an accurate line because um, it, it was obviously really impressive against Jones. And um, I thought, um, at least for the first few rounds, um, Blackowix would really struggle with the range. But from from f for the first few minutes, it looked like Reyes was pretty much outmatched. So pretty surprising. And I, I tweeted um, straight after the fight that Blackowix, I think Blackowix is one of the most improved fighters I've ever seen watching MMA. And I think, I know that might sound like an exaggeration, but... Honestly, to be like to be honest, a few years ago I thought it was kind of like a bum, to be honest. But now, like he's made serious improvements, and yeah, um, light light heavyweight's wide open now. Yuri, um, Ankalev is it's fun division now. I'm, I'm excited to see how it evolves. Definitely. Oh yeah, you know you mentioned Ankalev. Uh, I didn't mention him. That's a that's a great example too. And even I, I know you're not as high on this kid as I am, but I do like Jimmy the Brute Crute. And the reason I, I bring him up is because, uh, you know, he's only like 22 years old. He's just a kid. Give him a couple years. Maybe you could see him up there because right now we don't have that John Jones anymore where it's like no one's got a snowflakes chance in hell to beat him. Right now, like I said, we're going to go back to those golden days where this belt is going to be switching hands back and forth. Hey. And that's not to disrespect Jan Blakovich, who went out there and, you know, the reason I'm so inspired by a guy like Jan Blakovich, let me pull up his record real quick, and I'll tell you exactly why I'm inspired by Jan Blakovich. You guys mind if I do a quick little uh, screen share? Let me show you this real quick. So, okay, check this out. You guys can see his record on here? Can you all see this? Yes, sir. Okay, check it out. Yep. So this this is how he starts his UFC career. Beats Alir Latifi, first round TKO body kick, right? Then he loses to Jimmy Manoa. Then he loses to Corey Anderson. Now, before I, I show you the rest of the stuff, you want to know something really cool? You want to you want to know the sign of a future world champion, the sign of someone that's making improvements, gentlemen? Steroids? <laughs> a good doctor? No. He avenged both of those losses, okay? Both of them. I mean, look, what was the score in the Jimmy Manuel fight? Let's take a quick look. Jimmy Manuel, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. So Jimmy Manuel beat him pillar to post. Now, what happened when they rematched? Let's check it out really quickly. Now it's now it's Jan Blakovich who's getting a 30-27 in there and is dropping him in the fight. The Corey Anderson fight the first time. What was the score in that fight? 30 30-25. 29-26 for Corey Anderson. What happens when they rematch? Jan Blakovich gets a first gets a knockout in the first round in three minutes. So that to me is the big sign of improvement. But before we get to those rematches, then he had this very sketchy fight with Igor Pokryat. And, you know, he lost to Alexander Gustafsson. And then th this is where it got really embarrassing. Lost to Pat Cummins and... As you can see from April to, to October, which was his next fight with Devin Clark, something changed 
in between then. And I, you know, he even admitted he got a new doctor and he starts calling himself Jan 2.0. He starts doing the whole bit. So now you see the kind of run he's on goes in there with Devin Clark and, you know, Devin Clark's kind of a prospect tester. Well, Jan Blakovich finished him, got a performance of the night, goes in there with Jared Cannonier, drops Jared Cannonier, destroys him, rematches Jimmy Manua, defeats him soundly, goes in there with Nikita Krylov, welcomes Nikita Krylov back to the UFC. Cause if you guys remember, Nikita Krylov had left the UFC after the Misha Sarkunov fight, goes on a big run. Then he enters the UFC again, gets finished by Jan Blakovich. Then he ran into Tiago Santos, who by the way, is you know top three all-time knockout artists in UFC history. Look up the numbers. Then he goes in there against you know former champion Luke Rockhold. And look, before you guys say, oh, Luke's got no chin, going in in the fight, people were saying Luke was just going to get on top of him and smash him, and uh, that was not the case. He, It was uh, Jan Blakovich that did the smashing. Has the five-round fight with, with Ronaldo Jacare Souza, and the only reason it was a split because, look, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Otherwise, it's a clear uh, unanimous decision rematches Corey, knocks him out, finally makes it to that elusive title shot, capitalizes against the guy that many people try to act like he beat John Jones, which uh, you you and I both know. Between between you and me, gentlemen, he did not beat John Jones. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, Jan Blakovich is the world champion now, so it's a beautiful thing to see. So before we move on and before we start to answer a couple fan questions, if you had to name one person to challenge Jan Blakovich for his next title shot, who would it be? I'm going to let you each uh, answer that. So, Rob Brown, who is the one guy you want to see Jan Blakovich fight next for his first title defense? Um, it's going to have to be Thiago Santos, isn't it? If he if he gets a spectacular finish against Glover, um, it's it's a bit of a worry of uh, his layoff with the with the knee surgeries. But if he if he knocks him out quick, it's it's going to have to be Santos, really, isn't it? Uh, hopefully in the future, uh, uh, Jiri um, challenges, though, because I really want to see that guy fight for the belt. Yeah, this kid, Yuri Prohaska, you know, when you come into the UFC with over 30 pro fights, that's as experienced as you can get. And, yeah, I I'd love to see that as well. And uh, Rockstar, I mean, do you agree? Is Tiago Santos the guy you want You want to see uh, Jan Blakovich be challenged against? Or are you thinking an Alexander Rocket? Are you thinking a uh, Yuri Prohaska? Are you, th are you wanting John Jones to change his plans of going up to heavyweight, maybe rethink things, try to get his belt back? Uh, what, do you what are you thinking, Jamar? I assume knowing John Jones, you know, egomaniac, uh, <laughs> he's going to want to, you know, come back beat up Jan, you know, Jan called him out, I'm pretty sure. Um, I couldn't hear it too well. I don't know if he called him out in particular, but I know he called somebody out. Um, but, yeah, so I'm sure John's going to want to come back and try to get his belt back. Uh, if not, then, you know, I'd like to see Santos. I think Santos is definitely the next guy up. Um, if for some reason... If Glover beats Santos, I don't think Glover really deserves a title shot. I'd like to see Rakic fight before him. You don't think that uh, if Glover goes out there and submits Tiago Santos, that's not a title shot worthy statement? Well, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's coming off of a big surgery. You know what I'm saying? Like a big layoff. His last fight was against John Jones. John Jones. Who? Is who? Sorry, who? Tiago Santos. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know what I'm saying? I think. No hate on Glover, of course, but another win against a, maybe a top guy, top five guy, again, that solidifies you a title shot for sure. 
but I will say this, just in his defense, just to kind of play devil's advocate, I mean, he absolutely ran through uh, Anthony Smith in a way where people were feeling uncomfortable watching that beatdown because it was a pillar-to-post ass-whooping. And if he can parlay that with an upset win over Tiago Santos and he gets on the mic and calls out Jan Blakovich, I mean, I feel like he's got a good case. But I do agree with you. There are, there are options. That's what... That's what's so beautiful about the light heavyweight division today. But on the flip side, I know that you're 100% correct about the ego of a guy like John Jones, and he might rethink things and be like, dude, like this guy's just, uh, you know, keeping my belt warm for me. And maybe I can go out there and become a four time UFC light heavyweight champion. So, because no one officially dethroned the great John Jones. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the few champions in, in UFC history that wasn't truly dethroned. He he cleared out the division and said, here you guys go. You know what I mean? Let me ask you, Daniel. Um, where do you think this puts Reyes now? Who, and who would you like to see him fight next? Fantastic question. So with Reyes, you know, uh, so he already fought Volkan. It was the mayor and it was kind of a, you know, a controversial fight. But you know, you could see him in there with the with the loser of the Tiago Santos versus uh, Glover Teixeira fight. Um, I actually think that's a good one. I've always personally wanted to see Reyes versus Rakic just because at one point people were feeling like those two represented the next generation of light heavyweights just because, you know, they're both six foot five. They're massive for the weight class. And I know one's coming off a win, one's coming off a loss, but uh I'm actually down to see that Reyes versus Rockage fight. Uh, what do you think, man? What do y'all both think about that fight? I think that's a great fight to make. Uh, uh, don't be surprised if uh, within the next year or two, Reyes goes on a two, three fight losing skid and they give him his papers. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I think <laughs> I think if he fights Rockage next, I think that's going to be honestly probably another knockout loss. And uh, it's only going to go even more downhill from there. So, I mean, I will say this. Look, uh, Reyes, he's an extremely talented athlete, but he is his own worst enemy. Like, I, anytime he opens his mouth, you're face palming, man, because it's like you cannot believe the shit that this guy is saying, you know, not just regarding the John Jones fight, but even going into this Jan Blakovich fight. So, yeah, I agree with you. He, he doesn't have the intelligence to, to be a UFC world champion. But that doesn't mean that he can't beat some of these guys in the top 10. And Rakic has been impressive, and he's very big. And I, and I feel like his last fight was a step in the right direction. But, you know, similar to Reyes, like kind of how you were mentioning early on in the show, Jamar, you know, that Reyes has only had like 13 pro fights. I feel like Rakic is in a similar boat. They have both have less than, you know, 15 pro fights. So they're both kind of young, which is what makes it interesting. So, Rob, you know, where would you line a fight between Rakic and Reyes? Um, to be honest, I'd, I'd, I'd disagree with Rockstar. I think I'd still favour uh, Reyes in that fight. Um, I wouldn't write Reyes off quite yet. I still think he's a really good athlete. I still think he could improve. Um, and I've I've never really rated Rakic that highly. I know he's still young. He could still improve. But um, off the top of my head, I'd, I'd, I'd slightly favour Reyes, maybe minus 150-ish. Okay, so a nice little, nice little conservative line. Now, would you favor him that if they fight in two months, or would you favor him that after you know Reyes is off suspension, he's had some time to oh, heal? Yeah. It'd have to be uh, like you know a significant amount of recovery time after a loss like that. And, and where where does Yuri Prohaska fit in all this, Rob? Because I mean, I feel like 
honestly, I know he's only one and know in the UFC, but that one fight, I mean, he went in there against a perennial top five guy, a former title challenger, and absolutely the only man in uh, UFC history to knock him out cold. Uh, I feel like we can make a case that Yuri Prohaska might be the dark horse in this light heavyweight division, Rob. Um, I, th- I think you give him the loser of Glover Santos, maybe to, to get him in that top three conversation. And then uh, if if he puts a spectacular performance in that, and then you'd you'd have to get him in the title contendership at that at that point, surely. For sure. So for all the fans listening, we truly appreciate it. Make sure y'all, uh, you know, obviously give this video a like and a subscribe and all that stuff. But if you got some questions for myself for Rob Brown, for Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. Feel free to, uh, to you know, list those down below, and we'll be happy to answer them. And, uh, man, Brandon Royval, this kid. I am so impressed with this kid, Brandon Royval, because he went out there. What I always liked about him on the regional scene was that he overwhelms his opponents. Uh, you know, he was saying in his uh, pre-fight interview that, like, you know, his opponents are going to have to like download the info and it's going to just overwhelm their CPU. You know what I'm saying? He just goes out there and it's balls to the wall. I mean, there's a reason they call him raw dog. And, and it's not because he fucks someone's wife. You know what I mean? It's because this guy is going out there throwing everything but the kitchen sink, the spinning back elbows, the submission attempts, the just nonstop. Now, his weakness is obviously his takedown defense, but he's very effective on the mat as well. Like, look, when he fights a wrestler, that's going to be one story. But against Kaikara France, who, you know, lands 0.6 takedowns per 15 minutes and is just known for that overhand right, you know, it, it turned out it was a good matchup for uh, for Brandon Royval. And he can overcome disadvantages by just going out there and just being as relentless as he is and overwhelming these guys, putting the pace on them. Like, you have to fight brandon royval to beat him now jamar i know that's one weight class below you but how impressed with how impressed were you with a kid like brandon royval i'm not gonna lie he he uh definitely earned a fan tonight gained a fan tonight that guy i've never even heard of heard of him before saw that he was like a former lfa champion or something like that that's awesome to see you know that's kind of somewhat regional um so but man, he he looked great against Kaikara France, and uh, from the start beat him up. You know that that spinning at back elbow that was very very impressive, very accurate. It was a great fight, man. I, it was a really good fight. But uh, but um, Royval definitely had the advantage the entire fight, and that guillotine. Oh my gosh, that was one of the tightest guillotines I've ever seen. I don't know if it's because, you know, the guys are super skinny looking like skeletons, but the way they wrapped around, the way he wrapped around his neck and then when he locked that body triangle in, that was it, bro. That was the end of that. Yeah, no, truly impressive. And I mean, you're talking about a guy in Kaikar, France, who he's been in there with Holly and Paiva, who's one of my top uh, flyweight prospects. And I personally thought Holly and Paiva won, but still, he got his arm raised. He was in there with Tyson Nam, who, you know, Again, I thought Tyson Am landed the more impactful shots of that fight, but you know he didn't throw enough. So Kai Car France got the got the win, but still to to have wins over guys like that, and then for Royval to just absolutely run through him was a beautiful thing to see. And Jamar, I know you said this is the first time you heard of him. I I think you might have seen him uh, submit Tim Elliott not too long ago. Um, I know exactly. I know exactly who you're talking about now. Yeah, it was him. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
He's very, very exciting. He actually fought a dude named Nate Williams. Not not our boy Nate Williams, a different Nate Williams. An the LFA. short guy. Yeah, for the short guy. And like literally the fight starts out like he runs at him with a flying knee and then like gets like a flying triangle like to an arm bar and like finishes the fight in like 20 seconds and like won the LFA title like that. Like the dude's a wild man. So it's awesome to see. And based on, you know, this division, he's already, you know, if you beat Kai Car France, let me let me look at the official rankings. Um, you beat a guy like Kai Car France, who uh, was ranked. Uh, hey, Jamar, hit that uh, mute button for me, my man. You you beat a guy like Kai Car France, who was ranked number seven at the time. Well, now you're moving up. Now you're now you're taking a spot. And you look at all the guys that are ranked ahead of him. Well, now we're talking about the real killers. Now we're talking about you know the Joseph Benavidez, the Brandon Moreno's, the Asker Askarovs, the Alex Perez's, the Alexandre Pantoja's. Now I'm cool with all that, but I'd personally still like to take a step back and you know see him in there with Rogerio Bontor and seeing see him in there with Matt Schnell with Holly and Piva even that kid David Dvorak who was very impressive um so there's a lot of things you can do I mean Rob how do you feel about it because like okay based off the rankings if you're gonna fight up he's gonna have to fight all those killers now but like I feel like he's still a kid he's still developing why throw him into the deep end right now like let, let's let him get his feet wet a little more what do you think um, so I was I was really impressed with that performance. He, he gave me like a, a flyweight version of Tony Ferguson vibes in that in that fight with the way he, he pressured. That was crazy, crazy pace he set. Um, but rankings wise, um, who I'd give him next? Um, I'll have a quick look at the rankings. Um, maybe maybe someone like Formiga or Pantoja. Just to give him a bit of a bump up, but he definitely. So you want to, so you want to take it there? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he's he's ranked ninth, and underneath is Matt Chanel and Piver's Piver who's out. Maybe Dvorak, but that that that's a step back at that point. So, I mean, maybe Formiga or Pantoja, maybe Bontrin. Bont Bontrin's one step ahead. Maybe someone like that. But okay. after a performance like that, I think he, I think he should get someone maybe in the top, top eight. Yeah, it's just like for me. Here's what I'm struggling with. It's not that I don't want to see these matchups, Rob Brown. What I'm struggling with is that this was like a perfect matchup for him here with Kai Car France. Just overwhelmed France. You, you know firsthand not not just from recent times but from even the ultimate fighter days you, i know i know you i know rob brown saw that pantoja versus kai car france fight you we all know that kai car france doesn't like it when you put that pressure on him so i felt like even though the line was plus 200 uh for brandon royval here in hindsight it was almost like the perfect matchup for him i'm not convinced that he can get away with some of that kind of stuff against a pantoja and against an Askarov. that's why i want to pump the brakes slightly he's just a kid this was the first fight he's had with a full training camp you know before that he had a job now he's got 250k bonuses in the bank now he doesn't have to work anymore so we're going to be seeing these massive leaps and i feel like his finished product a hundred percent can compete with the top five maybe even beat some of these guys i just you know still think he's kind of young and i want to take it slow and let him get let him get his feet wet and uh feel more comfortable out there so you feel where i'm coming from yeah yeah absolutely it's just that that that, that the thing is that division's quite thin like dvorak's coming off that good performance and then pive is out and then you've got chanel and then bonter and then after that 
there's quite a big talent gap after that, so it's quite a thin division. So it's it's tough to pick to pick an opponent. Maybe give him someone like Namo or Espinosa or and give him a slow build up. I'd, I'd be fine with that. For sure. So Ketlin Vieira defeated Sajara Eubanks, and Ketlin is back. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I had to take a phone call during that fight, so I missed it. Uh, anything you guys care to share about that uh, three-round fight? Uh, uh, Rockstar, Rob, anything? Uh, no, on, it was a terrible fight. It's not worth talking about. She just clenched her against the cage, and, and it was kind of crap. Honestly, th- same thing. Wasn't worth okay. talking Move, moving on, <laughs> so uh, catchweight bout, 150 pound catchweight bout between Hakim Dawadu against Zubera Tukuga. Now I had a bet on Zub, on excuse me, on uh, Hakim Dawadu at plus 125 odds. I thought it should have been lined to pick him, and I think it played out like a pick him. But I slightly felt like Hakim kind of, you know, edged him in output. And I mean, if you look at the stats going into the fight, he does land more than twice the amount that Zuba does. But I will say this, man. When Zuba was thrown uh, very, very fast, man. I mean, like some of those shots against other people, he's going to put some other people down. But we know the one thing, the one big thing that Hakeem brings to the table is that technical prowess with his Muay Thai. So he had an answer. And I love how every single time that, you know, Zuba would throw something big at him, Hakeem would always have, you know, whether it's a kick return or some kind of counter, just some kind of answer back because like, uh, Jamar, you know firsthand. I mean, you're a former IKF world champion. For those that don't know, you know a Muay Thai world champion, uh, and now you're you know undefeated in MMA as a pro. But you know in Muay Thai, one of the biggest things, bro, is uh, those kick returns because it's a point system. So when someone comes out there and you know lands a nice you know one two up top, then they follow it up with that leg kick. You know the one two chop. You know that if you if you get off on that kick return, you kick him back. You know you're getting those points back, Jamar. So were you impressed with that performance by uh, Hakeem uh, Duwadu? Absolutely, man. I mean, the other guy didn't really do much to me. I don't I don't see how I was watching some of the tweets on on the screen. I didn't really see how he was uh, winning two rounds to to none. Um, if if I if I'm not mistaken on the tweets, like I said, by some uh, celebrities or whatever. Um. Yeah, man, I I thought it was great. I loved the kick returns, bro. I loved them. I thought they were very on point, and it was catching it was catching the the guy the whole time, as you could see. The guy at the, I don't know if you guys saw his leg at the end, bro. It was so swollen too, right on the calf. He was kicking it right in the right in the same spot the entire time. I thought it was great. I thought it was perfect. No, I really was. And just, just to touch on the point you made, because it's a fantastic point. You know, if you really look at the, you know, if you put your glasses on, you know, put that magnifying glass on and really look at the, the finite, uh, you know, the, the, those key details, what's the, what's the word I'm looking at? You know, the finite details, like basically, um, if you watch his fight against Julio Arce, when the fight starts off, he kicks him in that perfect spot that gets people limping, kind of like what uh, Chito Vera did to Sean O'Malley. So once you start getting off on those kind of kicks, and he does it in the kick return kind of way, you know who's actually really good with this kick returns? Uh, uh, heavyweight uh, Jerzinho Rosenstrike. He's, he's got some beautiful kick returns because – for these traditional Muay Thai guys, that's how you get the points back. Because, yeah, you'll see knockouts from time to time. But when they go to the, to the scorecards, it's a very interesting scoring system. And 
you know, kick returns are a massive thing. So the way he was able to just keep building off his his past progress and take it to a step further, I'm pretty impressed with this kid. And, you know, Zubra Tukugov, man, very explosive with that left hook. His hands are extremely fast. He's got great footwork. You know, he's got that Russian bounce. But, man, speaking of Russian bounce, he tried to do the Russian coast in the third round. And I think that's what cost him, man, because I low-key had a one-to-one going into that third round, man. And, and then I thought that Hakeem Duadu definitely took over that third round. So I, I felt like the rightful guy won the fight. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he does next. You know, he's just such a meat and potatoes Muay Thai guy. But you love to see – one thing I was so impressed with, gentlemen – was his immediate separations from the clinch you know uh he's got the urgency to swim for those underhooks and break off right away and get right back to work so you know he's not one of these guys that you pin him up against the fence then he's gonna throw up his hands in the air and be like ref he's just trying to hold me like do you guys remember a fight between uh christoph jocko and dave branch back when christoph jocko was on his big run and, you know, it was this close split decision that could have gone either way. But there were some very frustrating things that every time Dave Branch would pin Christoph Jocko into the fence, you know, instead of swimming for those underhooks, creating the separation, you know, he'd throw his hands up in the air and, you know, cry to the ref to separate them. Whereas Hakeem Duadu, man, his instincts for the separation, for the disengagement is absolutely beautiful. And I feel like he's building off his prior success. And I feel like now we're seeing the best version of him because, Zubra Tukugov's no slouch. This is a guy that's been in the UFC for a long time. You know, went to a split decision with Moicano in Brazil and uh, has definitely been putting in work in the UFC. And, and, you know, it's funny. There was a funny narrative going into this fight that guys with, the with, with uh, you know, last names of, you know, OV is the last two letters of their last name. They're not going to lose decisions in uh, Abu Dhabi. Um, they're automatically going to win decisions in Abu Dhabi, which is total bullshit because the last two times that Zubera Tukuga fought in Abu Dhabi, went to a draw with Lerone Murphy and then lost to uh, uh, Hakim Duadu. But you guys remember my famous quote before, uh, you know, Muslim Salikov fought Elijah Zaleski. I said, no guy named Muslim is losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi. And that turned out to be the case. But uh you know, uh, Zubera's name is not Muslim. But look, all jokes aside, I felt like that was truly a big step in the right direction for Hakeem Duadu. I'm very happy I cashed that plus 125. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next. So, Rob, I mean, what do you think about that overall performance? Uh, you know, he didn't get clipped with too many big ones. He kept his composure, stayed on his game plan, and got the win. Yeah, man, I was actually impressed with uh, Tukulov striking earlier. I thought um, his, his boxing looked good. His hands looked a, a lot faster than I uh, thought they would. Um, but then, obviously, Duardo started taking over, and then some such beautiful work in, in the last half of the fight. Um, yeah, very impressive performance. A lot of fun fights for him. And uh, Rockstar, I mean, you know, as a former Muay Thai world champion yourself, uh were there some things there where you were like, Oi, Boa, Iso, Ai? Were you impressed, man? Man, I was with uh, my brother and some of his firefighter buddies, and I was making those exact noises, bro. And they kept on looking at me like I was a weirdo. And I just kept on telling them the same thing every time. You wouldn't understand. You wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get it. Like Joker, you wouldn't get it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny as hell. Like he lands a kick return, boy. You know, and the guy's not even Brazilian, but you know, it, it, inner jokes. You know, between me and the rock star, one of my best friends. So, uh, 
Great stuff by Hakeem Dua Dula. Let's talk about Brad Riddell. So this was a fight that okay. So I picked Brad Riddell to win the fight. I didn't bet Brad Riddell. Um, my bets uh, for the evening were Costa, which lost, and then I took uh, Duwadu and um, and Klein. So I had a winning night, one two underdogs. But the Brad Riddell fight. So I picked Riddell on the show, but like deep in my heart, I was like. He, he should not be a minus 330 favorite in this spot. Like, Laco is being underestimated, and it really did come down to the wire. It was a very close fight. So, I still think Brad Riddell is an extremely talented guy. But again, when you talk about these kids with less than 10 pro fights, and I understand he's got the extensive kickboxing background, but MMA is a different sport, man. I mean, and also, some of the regional footage from Brad Riddell, I mean, he's out there with these guys wearing rash guards and MMA fights. So, you know, we weren't taking it too seriously, but I'll tell you what guys, now I'm taking it seriously. And even though the line was extremely wide and it wasn't a minus three thirty type performance. So that, that might make people pump the brakes on a guy like Brad Riddell. I would actually put the line on the back burner and just look at the fact that he was taking on a guy in Leco da Silva who's had like what 25 pro fights, you know, and uh is so much more experienced than him. I felt like Leco was being counted out. I almost felt like it was a dog or pass situation. I felt like he was a live dog, but again, credit to Riddell. You see these improvements every single time. And I feel like if you just give him the right fights, let him get that seasoning. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe a year from now he can be a top fifteen guy, Rob Brown. Yeah, I was I was actually really impressed with uh, Silver in the first round. It's just his uh his pace management, I think, let him down. He looked really physical. Uh, he was even out striking Riddle early. He looked really, really good. And then he's 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 tired himself out and started gassing out, and then Riddle started ripping that body, and then it was over from there. But I think Silver's got some he might have some potential if he if he fine tunes himself a bit and uh, manages his pace a bit better. But uh, yeah, like like you said, Riddell, give him the right fights, give him the give him the fun type of fights. The matchmakers know what, what to do with Riddell for now, and uh, we'll see a few fun, a few more fun fights from him. I think. And uh, Rockstar, did you get a chance to see that fight between Riddell and uh, Silva? Yeah, I did. It was a great fight, man. It was a great fight. I had uh, I had Riddell winning pretty much the whole time, man. I, I told my brother, man, uh, the Silva's. I could just tell just by the way he was fighting in the first round. Uh, he's kind of just like any other Brazilian, man. He's just gonna get tired after the first or second round, you know, extremely tired, and then he breaks, and that's exactly what happened, and Riddell capitalized. Have you ever seen a Brazilian with good cardio? Uh. <laughs> so uh, jake matthews defeated diego sanchez and um man i don't know if y'all saw that exchange between matt sarah and you know that fucking weirdo fake guru you know the guy that's riding uh uh diego sanchez's coattails here at the end of his career but man if y'all haven't seen that shit uh i mean should i go ahead and play the clip right now i mean that shit had me dying let me let me let me see if i can let me see if I can pull that shit up because I know I tweeted about it earlier and, you know, people uh, people liked the tweet and they started responding to it. They responded with the with the clip. So let me go ahead and pull that up. So just give me one second, you guys, uh, for those that haven't seen it. Because, you know, this Josh Fabia guy, 
man, it, it's sad to see, you know, people trying to take advantage of these fighters at the end of their careers. And, um, you know, that, that's exactly what happened. So hold on one second, Matt, Sarah. Okay, here we go. Damn, I got 223 likes on that tweet. All right. Here, I found it. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna go to screen share. All right, y'all can see. Yep. Sarah, I understand. Do me a favor. right now. I understand. I respect you. I don't know you too well. I don't know the point you're trying to say. You're coming after me yet? I wouldn't, I don't, from what I see with your training, I, I don't, I think it's silly, but that's, I don't give a shit, okay, all right, you're not my guy, you're not working with my guy, it's fine, good luck with Diego, I wish Diego the best, you're with it, so if he wins, I'm sure you're going to get some acknowledgement, well, I've been training a very long time, and that's not, that's not my point, my point is that when I'm being brought up, and you don't even want to say my name, I don't do, how about this, how about this, honestly, I don't even know you fucking, that's my how about that, one of the many things that I love. <laughs> so, I mean, I think you'll get the point. Uh, this guy, you know, he's just trying to get his name out there, try to get his 15 minutes of fame, try to get his nice little 10% cut. And who knows with the, not to talk shit about the legend Diego Sanchez, but with the CT, maybe he's getting more than a 10% cut. Maybe he's getting a 25% cut. So it's just really sad to see uh, that kind of shit. But I got to say one thing. I want y'all's opinion on this. Okay, so. And this is something that kind of Diego was talking about. So you guys remember at one point where like Diego was just like getting starched in the first round, like against Joe Lozon, against Matt Brown, you know, against all these guys. And like his last few fights, like against like tough guys, like Michael Chiesa against Michelle Pereira, even tonight against Jake Matthews. Like I I'm going to be a hundred with you guys. Just like I always am. Like I was thinking like, you know, Jake Matthews first round knockout. I was thinking Michelle Pereira first round knockout. I was thinking, you know, uh, Michael Chiesa gets on top of him and pounds him out. And like, he basically went to decision with two out of three of them. The other one, he won a DQ. So not, not to give Mr. Uh, Fabia any credit, but like, is it simply a fact where, you know, Diego is just kind of fighting to survive? Should we give some credit to this fucking scam artist? Like how, here, here's just my question, Rob Brown. Why hasn't Diego been getting knocked out in the first round these last few fights? To be fair, though, tonight, Matthews drops him and then stayed in his guard. Like, he should have knocked him out in that third round. You remember, he drops him really bad in that third round, and then he stayed in his guard. But, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's just a bizarre situation, isn't it? I mean, he's just running away, keeping his arms stretched out. Like, uh, what, what's going on? Why is he still fighting? I, I don't know. It's just bizarre. But like Rob, but like okay, you're right, you're right. Uh, no debate. But but here's my question: Why are we getting to the third rounds with Michelle Pereira, with Jake Matthews, with Michael Chiesa? Like why why are we even getting to that point? And that's not again to discredit the the tough one season winner, a pioneer of the sport, a true legend. It's just like he was getting brutally finished for a while there, like all these fights, and now all of a sudden he's like surviving and not taking as much damage so i'm just like curious what the deal is i think maybe the weight cut because he he actually took a, a, a few clean shots from matthews tonight and he's at 170 maybe it's a weight cut because at 155 he were getting slaps but 
Rockstar. He's not running like he's not running into punches anymore as much. He used to just literally run into punches, and now he's just running away. So, so is he like evolving while he's declining? Is is that what the deal is? Well, it's the best. It's probably the best scenario in his situation. He's evolving to take less damage while still getting the same payday. So, more power to him. Yeah, uh, Rockstar. What's your opinion on this? He's evolving spiritually, not very physically, as you can see. He's very, he's got the dad vibe going on right now. Dude, you know what I got to say, though? Like, even in his interviews, like, he's not, like, slurring as much as he used to and shit. Like, so- something's changed, and, like, I'm not sure what it is. Like, look, obviously, he's not going to make no run, and he's not, he's not going to do any shit like that. But, like, I'm saying, like, it, at one point, it was looking so bad to where we were like, yo, Diego. But now it's like, not that I have hope for him, but like to me, him getting to the third round with these tough fighters is like a moral victory compared to like, you know, the betting line was minus 750 for Jake Matthews. We, we all thought, you know, one flying knee from Pereira, the fight's going to be over. We think one back take from Michael Chiesa, the fight's going to be over. So I, I got to give the guy a lot of credit for surviving, but the night belongs to Jake Matthews. So we can't take away from that. Another solid performance from Matthews. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what to do with him. Just keep giving him fights. Uh, I think that, you know, he's kind of going to stay in about the same spot as he's always been his entire career. So we'll just leave it at that. Now, guys, I'm very, very excited to speak about Ludovic Klein against Shane Young. You know, I bet on Ludovic Klein at plus 110 odds. And the only reason I got underdog money here is because no one knows who the fuck Ludovic Klein is. I mean, he's making his UFC debut. No one's ever heard of him. So I jumped on the tape like last week. And what I saw was like, because initially I wanted to bet Nate Landwehr to beat uh, Shane Young. And the reason why was this. It's a completely different matchup than Ludovic Klein. The reason I wanted to bet Nate Landwehr is because Shane Young has a style where like he eats your best shots, then you start to slow down on him, then he tees off on you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the, the thing with Nate Landwehr is he doesn't slow down, right? Like he's a guy that's been five rounds in Russia with Russians. So I was thinking that they're going to have, you know, this exciting three-round brawl. You're giving me plus 150 odds. I'm going to take Nate Landwehr, who, who's going to be there the entire time. So that's where, I, that's where my head was with that. So then when the fight got canceled, I was really bummed out. But then I looked up Ludovic Klein and I was like, oh, this is not going to be a three-round brawl. This is going to be a situation where Shane Young, you know, his style to eat these punches and and then hope that you get tired so he can tee off on you. You don't eat clean high kicks. One does not simply walk through a a clean high kick and the kind of shots that Ludovic Klein throws. So I was thinking this was going to be his first knockout loss and that it turned out to to be the case. So I got plus 110 odds. And again, the only reason I got underdog odds is because UFC debut no one's ever heard of him he should have been like a minus 200 favorite like because like now his next fight he's going to be a big favorite now that people know who he is but prior to that he was just some no name you know from some random regional scene but like when you watch the tape uh, this this is one of those spots that you know what it reminded me of guys back in the day there was a fight between Paul Felder and Danny Castillo and I know you guys remember that vicious spinning back fist knockout from Paul Felder against Danny Castillo. And now Paul Felder was like a plus 150, plus 160 underdog. And the only reason why is because no one knew who the fuck he was, right? Everyone knew Danny Castillo. I mean, it's Danny Castillo, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
But uh, it, it just reminded me of one of those spots where, like, no one knows who the better fighter is. They've never heard of him. So they just ride the the name, not name value, because not that Shane Young's a big name, but amongst the hardcore fans, we've seen him in the UFC three times. So everyone knows who he is. So it's like, oh, Shane Young versus some random newcomer? Yeah, let, let me take him. Whereas I watched the tape on Klein. I was like, yo, this guy can strike for real. And if Shane Young, you know, he's like kind of a human punching bag, walks forward, eats your shots, you do not walk forward and eat these shots. So I was very, very proud of that underdog play. It came through cashed. Uh, Rob, what, what, what were your thoughts on that fight between Klein and uh, Young? Yeah, man, that was probably the best battle in the car, I'd say. Um, I thought Young would maybe he had a shot to to because. He's all. He's always been known to have a granite chin. I thought maybe he'd extend the fight, maybe make it dirty. But that was that was just a beautiful knockout. Klein's a serious striker, and and I'm very excited to see who he gets next. Rockstar, do you see my boy Ludovic Klein? Man, with that clean knockout, how could I miss it, bro? Shane Young, yeah. he thought he he thought he had it too. It was so funny. Talk to us about it. What do you think, bro? Uh, I thought it was well calculated. If if I'm being honest, um, very pinpoint striking. That it was, was it the uppercut with the with the head kick? Um, man, I saw so many fights I don't remember, but I, this is I what might, I this I is might what I'm getting the mixed up myself. But I know it was like a head kick, though. Regardless. Oh yeah, head kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put I'll, him to sleep. My bad. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I do remember. Uh, Ludovic Klein goes out there, throws three body kicks in the first minute, okay? And you could already see the bruising on the rib. And the reason I was so happy about that, and you know firsthand, Jamar, because you're a kicker. And, you know, actually, your uh, MMA debut, you knocked a guy out in seven seconds with with a head kick knockout. So you know firsthand when, when you're a kicker, and you're trying to set up a high kick, you're not just going to go out there and fucking reveal all your cards and throw that high kick as the first strike and let them know, oh, that's what he's looking for. You're, you're, you're going to go to the body, try to get him to drop those hands, and then go up top. And that's what was beautiful about what Ludovic Klein did. Goes out there, three body kicks in the first minute. Start Because you know, those body kicks hurt, and that gets you to drop those hands because you want to block those kicks. And then he was like, oh, so now it's open. Boom, goes upstairs couple follow-up shots fights over shortly after first man in mma history to knock out uh shane young and shane young will be back he's a very tough guy he's gonna have a lot of exciting fights it's just this was a horrendous matchup for him because again like i like i was telling you guys shane young is a guy that likes to eat your best shot and keep walking forward and uh you don't just eat clean head kicks and keep walking forward. So this is uh, one of my favorite bets of the year to, to get dog odds on a spot like that. And I hope we can keep capitalizing on, you know, many opportunities like that for years to come. So William Knight against Alexa Kmore. Now, I like William Knight. I know he's very green. I know he's got a lot of work to do. But the reason I like him is because when I saw him on Contender Series the first time, he was on there twice. You know, we can sit here, we can talk about his power, we can talk about his physique, we can do the whole bit, but what I'm most impressed about, gentlemen, is the fact that this is a guy that he's not going to quit. This is a guy that's going to be there until the the bitter end, and the kind of heart, the kind of resolve that he has, he stays so calm, you know, especially for a guy with less than 10 pro fights, and you start to slow down 
on a guy like William Knight. You start to give up one dominant position against a guy like William Knight, and, I mean, he will tee off on you. He will finish the fight, and he'll go out there and win, and that's exactly what he did. And this fight was a lot more smooth sailing than some of his previous fights. So that was a big step in the right direction, especially against an undefeated fighter who was favored to beat him. So I liked it. Um, you gotta, We got to take it slow. We got to make sure he takes the right fights. But I feel like if he does that, not, not saying he's going to, you know, be a future champ or anything, but I do think that he can stick around in the UFC for a long time and put on some exciting fights. It's just that he needs to take the needs to take the right fights, keep developing, take it one step at a time. He's only been a pro for less than two pro years, excuse me, for less than two full years. But I like the kid a lot. He's got the heart so uh, and the power too. So I'm excited to see what he does. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, like you say, very green, but um, yeah, he's he's dangerous. He's just at any position you get him in, he's dangerous. He'll put on a few fun fights. At 32 years old, I'm not sure what his ceiling is. Um, I mean, he's very open on the feet, but I was I was actually like you said, I was impressed with his heart and his resolve. Um, with a physique like that, you expect him to gas in like two minutes, but he he fights through it and and he he got a pretty decent win tonight. Yes, he did. Uh, Jamar, did you get to see William Knight? I actually missed that fight. All good. So uh, did you see any of the earlier fights, like Juan Espino? I did. I did see that one. How often do you see a schoolyard headlock in the UFC? That was pretty badass. Reminded me of, like, uh, you know, uh, my boy Alexi Olenek. You know, he did that He did that to Krokop back in the day, that schoolyard headlock. So it's pretty cool when you see that. You know, he's got some – uh, some serious wrestling credentials from back in Spain, which is cool to see, you know, guys from that part of the world with, uh, you know, with serious wrestling. Cause usually in Europe, uh, you know, it, I, I don't hear about too many guys from Spain with serious wrestling. Cause there's another fighter from Spain in the UFC, uh, Joel Alvarez. And it's actually the complete opposite. He's more so known for like opportunistic submissions off his back. He's kind of like in the early development stages of kind of like where Cheeto was when he first started his UFC career. But he's got a lot of physical tools. So I think that Joel Alvarez can win some fights down the line. But back to Juan Espino, man, I mean, goes out there, double leg passes, schoolyard headlock. I mean, that was beautiful, wasn't it, Jamar? I thought it was a great performance, bro. I mean, I mean, he kind of threw that guy around the ring. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely Gig. drowned him in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, gave him that tour of the octagon. You know it's, what I mean? Exactly. Uh, hey. took, go ahead. Okay. No, no, you go ahead. Took him down and got him uh, with the old headlock, you know? The the case of Katami, is that what they like to call it? The case of Katami. <laughs> So, Jamar, let me ask you this. Is that considered a big man move? And the reason I ask that, because, look, you're a bantamweight. Have you ever pulled off a schoolyard headlock? And I'm not talking about on the playground back in the day in uh, Florida. I'm talking about on the jiu-jitsu match, on, on the jiu-jitsu mats. Like, you ever pulled off one like that? Because I feel like it's only one It's one that the big guys pull off more than anything. More so than anything, yeah, it's usually the big guys. I pulled it off, I think, one time in my many, many years of, of training. So, and it was actually kind of sort of recent. And I think it was more so of an angling type of thing than a than a schoolyard choke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but back but back in Brower, Florida, we were doing it on the reg, right? Every day. 
<laughs> so Rob Brown, I mean, what, what kind of ceiling you see on this kid Espino? Because look, a lot of people going into this fight were saying shit like, oh, he's 40 years old, this and that. And the reason that I didn't put any stock into it, man, is because it's like, look, if he was a bantamweight or a featherweight or a lightweight and, and he's 40 years old, okay, then it's a different conversation. But I think we all know, if you've been following the sport long enough, that these heavyweights get a second win in their late 30s, in their early 40s. So I didn't hold the age against him, Rob. No, and he's a, he's a, he looks like a serious athlete for his age. I mean, he, does he look 39? He's pretty pretty damn lean for a legit heavyweight. He's huge as well. Um, and I could see him getting a couple of rank wins. Um, I'm not sure how he looks if he doesn't get people out of there in round one on the ground. But, yeah, he's, he's a pretty serious athlete. He, he could get a couple of good wins. Yeah, no doubt about it. So now before we get out of here, we got to answer some questions. So let's see it. Let's see what the fans got for us. Okay, so just give me one sec and I'm gonna pull up these questions. So okay. So John McDonald says, I wonder who Hamza Himayev is fighting. So word on the street is they're trying to set up uh this uh this Wonder Boy fight for him. But I heard Wonder Boy is trying to pull the old uh I've never heard of him <laughs> card, you know. So either that means he wants no part of it, or either that means put a couple extra zeros on that paycheck and I'll take the fight type thing. So, cause he's trying to be like, Oh, I want guys ranked ahead of me like Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal. Rur, rur, rur. But uh, it's, it's one of those things where if they, if they, if they you know, they, they can either, you know, not threaten him, but kind of like be like, well, if you don't take this fight, you're going to have to sit out for six months to a year. They can, they can go that direction. There's a lot of negotiation tactics they can do. They can force him to take the fight. There, there's a lot of things they can do, but right now, Stephen is using is using the negotiation uh, power of of you know the whole I've never heard of him. He's ranked below me. What does this do for my career? Shit. But there's still a, but but this is just negotiation. So there's a chance he still takes the fight. So they're trying to get the Stephen Thompson fight done. I also think they might try to get the Leon Edwards fight done. But if they get the Stephen Thompson fight done. Uh, Jamar, I know you've been telling me the last few days that you like this kid Hamza Himayev a lot. What do you think about him uh, versus Stephen uh, Wonderboy Thompson? Man, I'm such a big fan of Thompson too. I mean, how could I not be? You know, the whole point fighting style. It's very similar to mine. It's very high fight IQ. But Himayev is something else, man. He He's definitely the now of the UFC. I feel it like I'm hopping on the hype train right now, man. Uh his power, his boxing seems pretty crisp. He's training with the right guys, you know. I think in that matchup, he's not an idiot either, man. He's going to go in there. He's going to do what he has to do. Unlike Costa in the Israel Adesanya fight, he's going to take him down, drown him. Then if it goes back to the field, maybe the next round. Now Thompson's all tired. Boom. He's going to get I, I think. I think Amayev wins, man. I think he fin. I think he could finish Thompson, but uh, if Thompson's listening, hey, still, still fuck with you, man. <laughs> Rob Brown, what's the opinion? Uh, I don't know. We've we've not seen him face adversity. We've we've not seen 
they've not seen enough for me yet to to be confident against someone like Wonderboy. Like, oh, what if he struggles with a range in the first couple of minutes and 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 takes a few big shots? I, I don't know. We, we, I need to see more. I need to see more. I mean, I need to see more too. But the thing is, based off what you have seen, because look. This is the example I like to use. Okay, yeah, I understand he only fought Rice McKee and John Phillips and, you know, Gerald, who's tough, but, like, the strike counts is, like, 88 to 2. Like, he's, it's not like he's edging a split against these guys. He's absolutely running through them. So we can make the same argument, you know, because I, I remember back in the day when John Jones fought Shogun, it's like, well, Shogun, he beat Rampage. He fucking, you know, won the Pride title, won the, U, you know, the UFC title. He's beat Machida, did all these fucking things. What the hell is John Jones on? Oh, he beat Stefan Bonner and Ryan Bader. But, like, sometimes that shit doesn't matter because one day these guys do rise to the occasion. So it's like, do you think, based off what you've seen, that Hamzat's able to rise to the occasion against a guy like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? Rob Brown. Well, uh, Ian, Ian Heinish knocks GM3 out. I'm, I'm not... I'm not... I'm on the train, but I'm not totally 100% full steam ahead yet. Like, I, I need to just see a bit more. But for, like, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he rises to the occasion. I'm hoping he becomes a, a big star. But I, I do need to see more. I can, I can always pick you up at the next station stop, Rob. I got you, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm head of the train right now, man. If he finishes Wonderboy, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the driver. You know, Wonder Boy lost to Woodley twice, right? Too sure. <laughs> uh, so, real quick, uh, Rockstar, I know you. I know you're gonna like uh, this question. Do you guys think John Jones or Hamza is more dangerous for Mister Israel Adesanya? Well, are we talking prime John Jones? No, right now, 2020. <sighs> Man. All right, so now I'm going to say I need to see a little bit more, man. I'm going to need to see a little bit more from Hamzat. Based on what I've seen, though, oh, man, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. You're talking about a guy that, like, you know how those, those Russians get, man. They drown you when they get on you. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, I need to see more of Hamzat, but at this point, I think he has that type of wrestling that's that style definitely, but that pressure, who knows? I have to see him against maybe a little bit higher level of an opponent. You know what I'm saying? At 185, too, we're talking about. Um, we're talking if if we're talking about 185, I think Hamzat's more of a threat. Obviously, he's more he's more of a threat to Israel, just because John Jones at 185. Let's be serious, that ain't happening. Now, if we're talking 205. It's a different story. You know what I'm saying? I guess we're all just talking about weight classes at this point. Fair enough. I personally got to roll with the GOAT, John Jones, but that's no disrespect to Hamza because I think he's got a very bright future. Uh, Cameron Williams says, says, thank you so much for your predictions. Almost $1,200 up on a $13 bet. Damn, bro. What was that $13 bet? I'm happy to hear we came through for you, man. That's fucking badass. Um. Alonzo says Jan Blachowicz, Blachowicz has one of the best resumes in the UFC. Latifi, Cannoneer, Krylov, Rocco, Jacare, Corey, Reyes. Yes, he's a, he is a total beast. 
Mikhail Bridges says he wants Reyes versus Yuri Prohaska. I'm down with it. Say less, my friend. JJ says he wants Reyes versus Smith. Uh, my boy Johnny Walker called out Smith, so he's got dibs right now. But but he but the reason he wants Reyes versus Smith is because he wants to get Reyes uh, back on track. I feel you, and he would definitely get back on track against Anthony Smith. I think we can all agree on that. But Johnny Walker got dibs, and I'm more intrigued by the Johnny Walker fight because it's like I know without a shadow of a doubt that Dominic Reyes is beating Anthony Smith. But the Johnny Walker fight, I feel like it could go either way. I feel like Johnny could get slept. I feel like Johnny could sleep him. It's like Johnny Walker's like the the KO or bust in round one guy versus the comeback kid in Anthony Smith. So that's why uh, that's why I like that fight. John McDonald says he'd like to see Rakic uh, versus Yuri Prohaska. I uh, I like that fight as well. Okay, here's a good question. Chris Hames wants to know, what is Brandon Royval's ceiling? Now, Jamar, uh, you're a bantamweight. He's a flyweight, but you never know. I mean, the kid's big for flyweight. One day he could be in your division too, but what do you think the ceiling is on a kid like that? Uh, I think, honestly, let's just start off on a smaller platform. Um I think this guy could be the flyweight champion based on the, what I saw him do tonight. I mean, what poses more of a threat to, to the current champion at flyweight right now? It's that pressure, the same pressure he brings on. Who's going to back down first? That's what it comes down to, you know? So I think he definitely could win that flyweight championship. And I, I think I think he can hold it down for quite a bit too. You know what I'm saying? Um, with that being said, if he went to Bantamweight, now now we're talking a different ball game. Now we're talking a completely different ball game. This guy's not. He's too skinny to be at 135, bro. Way too frail. You know what I'm saying? And even if, even if he put on weight or whatever, got ready for 135, still he's not. I don't. I don't see him being big enough. If that makes sense. I know he's five nine. He's a tall guy, but his body frame. Skinny. It's just skinny, bro. Just skinny. Yeah. Um, no discrediting, though. But look, when you say future champ, I mean, you know, Davis and Dice Duguay, uh, I mean, the guy hits like a fucking lightweight. So, you know, I, th I think he needs a couple more fights before we talk like that. But do you think his finished product can compete with uh, God of War uh, Figueredo? Well, let me just say, I, I don't think he should be getting a title shot right now. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I agree. You know? Um, but uh, could you repeat your question one more time? I'm sorry. No, just about about his ceiling, about him potentially uh, fighting uh, Davis and Dice Duguea Figueredo. Like how far is it? Or Yeah, like how far can Roy Vall take this shit? I think he could take it definitely. What is he now ranked? He's not in the top five, but almost, right? Yeah, like seven or six. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think he's about like, I'd say three fights away from a title shot. If three consistent wins, of course. You know, I yeah. think, uh, I think a good, I don't know the flyweights like that too much, of course, but, uh, I think one person he should definitely fight maybe as a title eliminator air quotes. Cause you know, if Benavidez wins this, he ain't, he ain't fighting Figueredo again. Not because the, not because the UFC won't give it to him. He's, uh, he's got PTSD at this point. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. No, I feel you. Hey, Rob, what's uh, Roy Val ceiling in your eyes? Uh, right now, it, it depends on the matchup. Like um, in the top five guys who can hit hard, 
he's going to struggle with. He's too he's too defensively open to uh, strikes. Like if he if he tunes up his defense and uh, he gets a bit more defensively responsible with that pressure and that size and that pace, I think he can make waves. But right now, like I think a guy like someone like Moreno or someone that can box him up and land clean on his chin, I think he'll struggle with. So he's, I think he's got some steps to go yet, but he's, he's got potential. Martial arts fan says Royval got caught. He needs to work on his defense. I mean, let me say this. Kai, what's Kai Car France known for? He's known for that big overhand right. So, I mean, Kai Car France landing an overhand right in a fight. It's, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal to me. If anything, uh, Royval ate it. But, yeah, the thing is when you have such a wild style, there's risk and reward. I mean, you're going to leave these openings. So, does he need to tighten things up? Yeah, but that might also take away from, you know, the wild, aggressive, and unpredictable you know, style that he brings to the table. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, Jamar, where do you stand on this? I mean, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? What? Well, I missed what you said. Uh, dang. Hold on. All right, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Sorry, man. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he has it's, he has one of those styles, man, where he presses forward so much. Um, you're, you're familiar with this guy, Warren Thompson, you know, all all sword, no shield, right? This guy yeah. has a, a similar style to that, but a lot more accurate. You know what I'm saying? So his shots count. Does that make sense? By the way, Jamar is referring to a former K1 uh, striker, Warren Thompson, who's actually a heavyweight. But what he's saying is, is a, a killer-be-killed type guy. Basically, yes. But the thing is, it's like, I, I don't know if I want to say Roy Vall's killer-be-killed. Like, when I think of killer-be-killed, I think of, like, do you guys do you guys remember, like, Tiago Silva? Like, you know what I mean, where it's like, either he's going to not get, either he's going to knock you out or he's going to get knocked out, whereas, like, Royval's out here like trying like like kind of low percentage shit, but he's making it high percentage. Like, dude, you saw him fucking go for a Uma Plata and a Gogo Plata in this fight and then finish with a guillotine. Like that that that's what we're dealing with. And he landed a spinning back elbow. Like that's what we're dealing with with this kid in Royval. So I feel like it's kind of it's kind of a different style than the killer be kill. It's more of like, you know. It's it's almost like a Yair Rodriguez at flyweight type thing more to me. You feel me? He takes a lot of risks on on like moves that not a lot of people are willing to go for. If that makes sense. But it pays off. Exactly. You know, uh, high risk, high reward. You know what I'm saying? No guts, no glory. So Robbie Brown, what do you think, man? Sorry about Royval. Yeah, about just his like, you know, high risk uh, type style. Yeah, I think um, at flyweight he's got more margin for error, hasn't he? So he he can take more risk at flyweight. It just it, it depends on who he's fighting. Like if he's fighting someone like Figueredo, he, he can't fight like that. That's the only thing. But against certain guys, he's he's gonna break a lot of guys with a with a pace and style like that. But like, like Dave, I don't. It's just Davison. I don't see anyone beating Davison. That's the only thing. He's too powerful at that work. 
So Dane says, no talk of Glover, four or five win streak, just demolish Anthony Smith. I know he's fighting Santos, but I believe, I believe if he wins that fight, he should be next contender for the title. We did talk about Glover, but I think you might have asked this question before we talked about Glover, but all of us respect Glover so much. And I'll tell you right now, he goes out there and he finishes Tiago Mahead of Santos, and he is right up there uh, in the conversation. Uh, no questions asked. So definitely a good question, Dane. All right, let's see what else y'all got for me. John McDonald says he wants to see a matchup between uh, uh, Brandon Royval and Tyson Nam. See, that's interesting because what I like about that is that Royval might actually have to be a little bit more careful because you know how dangerous and vicious the counters are of uh, a guy like Tyson Nam. So while you know Royval is going to be you know outlanding and outscoring the entire fight there just might be that one point where he's susceptible to that big counter shot and you know when Tyson Nam uh, gets you he gets you so i mean Rob Brown do you do you like a matchup like that yeah that's actually a really good shout i actually really like that fight good good star dynamic rockstar i agree i think that's a good fight to make right now Yep. Carlos says Jan Blachowicz is definitely the deserved champ. I agree. Mikal says Hakim the Dagestani hunter Dawadu. And it's funny, for those that don't know the context, back in the World Series of Fighting, Hakim uh, Duwadu actually beat um, uh, a Magomedov twice. Um, no, well, first time was a draw, but everyone thought he won. And then the second time he stopped him. So he's got a history. And he was actually uh, Zubara Tukugov's teammate. So that's a that's an interesting thing. John says Tukugov stopped fighting in the third. You know, it's not that he stopped fighting. He did something that we like to refer to as the Russian coast. Uh, you know, they feel like <laughs> they feel like they can't lose decisions no matter what they do. For some reason, they got so much pride. So it's an interesting thing. Um, Anton says Paulo tried to play the distance game with Izzy. Dude's fight IQ is in serious question. And tonight's performance was in serious question, but I, I just don't want to discredit Izzy how amazing he went out there and just made that look easy. Like, I mean, I know Rob wasn't surprised, but I was surprised. Like, I'm not surprised Izzy won. That, that's not you know a surprise to me. I'm just surprised at how easily he handled it. Didn't take why like like I said earlier in the show, one doesn't simply fight Paulo Boachinia and walk out without a scratch on your face. So just speaks volumes to the greatness of Izzy Adesanya and the kids going places. You know what I mean? So I'm excited about that. John McDonald says Leron Murphy has a lot of potential. Uh, Rob, you care to comment on that? I know he's from the UK, just like yourself. Yeah, he's, he's really good recently. Um, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him. Definitely. He's, he's, He's got some work to do still, but that last performance was very impressive. And even against Sukakov, that was a short notice fight, wasn't it? So, yeah, definitely got a lot of potential for sure. So, Michal Bridges says Dan Ige versus Hakim Duadu next. Um, do you all think that Hakim is ready for that, or do you think that's too big of a step up in competition? Because that's already jumping right into the top 10. Do you want to see that? Do you want to see him? get a couple more fights in first or, or are you ready to see that right now uh, rob uh dan ege versus hakim duadu um i think it's a bit early next um i'm just looking at the rankings ege is still 10th um i think you can give him like a just breaking into the top 15 i think that's just slightly too much of a big step up for now and, and real quick um 
because in his in his pre-fight interview, Hakeem said that after he wins this fight, he's got a top ten opponent in mind. So does anyone know? I, I didn't catch who he called out. Did, does anybody know who he called out for that top ten opponent? If you do, just let me know in the comments, and then we can discuss that fight. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, uh, Jamar, you got any opinion on Dan Ige versus Hakeem Duwadu? I think it's a tad bit too early. Maybe uh, one or one or two more fights for Hakeem, and then we can we could talk about Dan Ige. Carlos says, "Fuck yeah, Rockstar Brazos, I'll do that." I don't know what he's talking about, but he's giving you props. So, shout fuck out to yeah, bro. Hey, rock star shit, man. I don't know what you're talking about, but fuck it. Rockstar, <laughs> uh, JJ says uh, Diego said he's got a four fight contract. It is irresponsible to give him three more. A four fight contract. Was this the first fight on his four fight contract, or was this the last one? I mean, we don't know what the deal is, but listen, I mean. Use him to build up our up-and-coming prospects. You know what I'm saying? That's how this game works. You know how the fight game works. This shit is brutal as hell. And sometimes these guys don't know when to say when, especially when you got that fucking fake guru weirdo <laughs> following you around everywhere. So you already know what the deal is. All right, guys, we're almost done. Just a couple more fan questions to get out the way. And then, uh, you know, we truly appreciate everybody joining us here. Uh my boy Carlos said Klein is good. Klein is good, man. That's why I was really happy that I got in on that before everyone noticed him at dog odds. You know, the line flipped for a reason. Um, so, yeah, I like that kid a lot. Just that style matchup was perfect for him. Martial arts fan agrees that Klein is pretty good. Uh, Ludovic Klein, I like him. JJ was what was Kamer's game plan. I mean, it's not really about what his game plan was. It's just that he got out-muscled, out-willed, just – you know, just got beat by by a superior athlete. I, I think it was pretty question. I don't think there were any adjustments he could have made to win that fight. He was just simply outgunned, bell to bell. So it was really one of those cases. Uh, okay, JJ says Diego Sanchez versus Robbie Lawler. How's that sound? And who wins? I pro- probably lean Robbie Lawler because, um, like, Neil Magny. Like, I know he made him look horrendous, but like Neil Magny, you know, has got like an 80 inch reach and like was mixing in wrestling and you know, Diego Sanchez is going to run around all over the place. So I would favor Robbie, uh, Rob, uh, Robbie Brown. Who you favor there? Lola would knock him out within two minutes. Okay. And, uh, Jamar, the rockstar whitehead, uh, Diego Sanchez, Robbie Lawler, who you got? I mean, I would say the same thing, but I've been saying that for his last three fights. True. I know, right? Like, Diego's been surviving. I don't know what it is, man. So, uh, Nick Rodriguez says, is this it for Cadiz? I mean, in the UFC, if he wants to come fight in the NFC and test out some of our up-and-coming prospects, we'd be more than happy to fight him. I mean, we'd be more than happy to have him. So, definitely uh, get, give us a call, and, and we'll set him up. Uh, Jamar, who do we have any oh, – oh, yeah, what about – hey, Jamar, what about Cadiz Ibrahimov versus Bolo? You know what I'm saying, Jamar? Oh, oh we'll set him up all right. Yeah, we'll, we we got the perfect fight for Cody Sebergimov in in the NFC and for Jeff Hughes. What about Jeff Hughes versus Larry Green, uh, Jamar? I know you know what I'm talking about. That's so we, actually a really good fight. So we we, we got the perfect fights for Jeff Hughes and uh, Cody Sebergimov uh, in uh, the NFC. So I'm very excited about that. All right, almost done with these questions. Um, it, it just did that thing where it scrolls me all the way down, so I got to scroll back up. Um, 
So, fellas, we fanning Bobby fucking Knuckles now. Where do you think Habib is at mentally for his next fight? I'll just say this. He ain't going to miss uh, weight by five pounds like uh, Zubera Tukugov did. I think uh, I think that despite the, you know, the tragic passing of, of his father and his mentor and just a pioneer of, of MMA in that, in that area of the world, Habib's a guy that's ultra-focused no matter what the deal is. And I think he's going to show up, win, lose, or draw. So I ain't worried about, you know, it, it, I, Habib ain't missing no weight by five pounds. You know what I mean? This ain't Zuba. So I ain't too worried about him. Uh, in that respect, I'm more so worried about how does he deal with, you know, these these shots by uh, Justin Gaethje. You know, Justin Gaethje's got a D1 wrestling background. Can he keep the fight standing? Can he stuff these takedowns? That's what, uh, that's what intrigues me so much uh, about a fight like that. All right. Almost getting there. Carlos says uh, Reyes was cocky as fuck and got way ahead of himself. Why bring all your brothers into camp? They're going to tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. So... I agree with the first part. I slightly disagree with the second part. I agree. Yeah, he was overly arrogant, you know, still talking about how he got robbed, still talking about, how, you know, like laughing off the Blakovich fight. But some sometimes you need the people close to you because, you know, the people close to you aren't always going to be yes, man. Sometimes the people close to you are going to tell you, like, what you need to hear when everyone else is kissing your ass. Like, I know, like, my boy Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead, you know, the first fighter I've ever managed, you know, one thing, yeah, like we are like, you know, he is one of my closest friends, but one thing he can rely on with me is that I'm not going to bullshit him. I'm not going to kiss his ass. I'm going to tell him exactly what the deal is. That's why he knows that he can rely on a guy like me. So I'm hoping in Reyes's case, that's the same thing that they're just going to be straightforward with him. But if that's not the case, and if they are indeed, yes, man, then it's just an unfortunate situation. So I really don't have enough insight on their camp to answer it, but it it, it could be two different things. Like it could be like the me and Jamar situation where I'm so brutally honest with Jamar, you know, because I care about the kid. Or, or or it could be a case where you got everybody blowing smoke up his ass, telling him how great he is. Oh, you don't even have to run your miles, you know. Oh, it's Jan Blakovich. You lost to Pat Cummins. You don't even have to wake up early for this fight. You, you can skip your meals, you know what I'm saying? So it's just uh, – yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. So, uh, Rob, you got an opinion on this, man? Um, no, not really. Um, yeah, like I said, it was just it was just a bit overrated. I think for the Jones performance, and then um, people ignored the uh, Vulcan performance a bit too much and overrated him a little. And he needs to go back to the drawing board, and we'll see how he rebounds. Rockstar, anything to add? Nothing at all, man. I've been saying this the whole time. That's it. Miha Bridges says they're going to sacrifice Magni to Hamza. Yeah, I mean, if Wonderboy Wonder is playing his card smart, he's doing the the who? I, I, I've never heard of him. Ham, how do you pronounce it? Hamza? Like, who? Like, no, I want to fight Leon Edwards or Masvidal, who I already beat. Uh, I, I don't know who this guy is. You know what I mean? So he's doing that. He's doing that whole bit. So, uh, yeah. All right. Last few questions, and then we're going to get out of here. We truly appreciate everybody's support. Um, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been awesome having you guys on. And uh, hold on one second. You talk funny. Who talks funny? I talk funny. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, my guy. Um, 
I want to hear what you talk like that. <laughs> I want to hear what you talk like. You want to join us right now and show us? Show it's probably, your... me. It's probably me. <laughs> but I, pick, but I, on the, pick on the British guy. Uh, no, but we like how you talk. I, I want to hear him talk. He should join us right now. We should hear your pretty voice and let's see what you sound like. <laughs> you know what I mean? So John McDonald says John versus Francis or Stipe is intriguing. Yeah, exactly. I want to see John versus Francis. I want to see the Francis versus Stipe rematch. You know I'm going to go to the grave and take uh, Francis over Stipe again. I know I got burned badly the first time. Not going to get burned badly uh, the second time. Knock on wood. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see exactly what the fuck happens when they when they rematch uh, down the line. So I, I, I'm excited. My boy says Robbie Brown sounds like he's smoking that gas. Well, I mean, I hope he's smoking that gas because if he's smoking anything less than that gas, then uh, we're gonna have to ask him to leave because over here, it's exotic or nothing. You know what I mean? So uh, I know, and I know my boy Rockstar agrees with that too. Ain't that right? Hey, by the way, if y'all never heard the 420 edition of Half the Battle, me and my boy Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead not only talked about our favorite strains, but we talked about our favorite fights to watch while using our favorite strain so y'all got to check that out just go back to the 420 edition of half the battle very very good episode it's one of those timeless episodes of half the battle so you'll definitely have to uh you'll definitely have to check that out all right guys well i think that uh i think that i think that's about to cover it so we truly truly appreciate everybody's support i want to thank today's guest rob brown betting for the first time my boy rob from the uk on here you know there's a guy that's had my back for a long time i've had your back for a long time i don't give a fuck what no one says about my boy because i know what kind of dude he is and he is a real dude so much love to my boy rob jamar the rockstar whitehead you know one of my best friends the first fighter i've ever managed first fighter i've ever sponsored uh you know, uh, and we're not going to talk about our jujitsu sessions quite yet. We'll keep that between us, but, uh, no, these are my homies. So, uh, Rob Brown, anything, any message for the fans before we get out of here? Yeah, man. Uh, pleasure to be on. It's uh, nearly 9am where I am right now, but these are the sacrifices we make. Uh, it's a, it was an honor to be on. Um, I've been a fan of you for a long, long time. We've talked for a long time and, um, yeah, thanks guys. And pleasure to meet you as well. Rockstar. Cheers guys. Pleasure to meet you, brother. Jamar, the rock star whitehead, uh, my boy, 21 years old, killing it, uh, making that pro debut soon, living life like a champion. Uh, man, uh, what's next for you, my guy? And anything else you want to tell the fans? Every day we're getting better, 1% better every single day, brother. So well, yeah. Working on a championship mindset. That's right. That's right. What would Peter Yan do? So you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And Real quick, you want to plug your social media for the fans? You guys can follow me at the Rockstar MMA on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it'd be pretty easy to find me. Um, I have the best header on Twitter, and my Instagram's pretty lit too. Um, yeah, man, check me out. Message me, guys. Like my stuff. Do all that. I'm pretty interactive, so hit me up anytime. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much to both my guests, Rob Brown Betting. Check him out. Uh, the UK's number one MMA handicapper, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead, uh, the Southeast number one Bantamweight, and just wait till he goes pro. Big things coming soon. You guys know me, Daniel Levy, host of Half the Battle, owner of Best Fight Picks, NFC commentator, blah, 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 all the other shit I do. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Get hey, my- What's up? I have one more thing to say. 
What's up? What's up? Shout out Best Fight Management too, man. Hey, they, making the dream come true, man. You know they don't know shit about Best Fight Management, but just uh, keep your eyes peeled because uh, we're doing big things over here, discovering great talent, make you know, giving these guys the right fights, uh, bringing them up the right way, you know. And, and uh, we'll be seeing him in the UFC very, very soon. So I'm very excited about that. Just uh, keep living life like a champion. Hashtag what would Peter Yan do? So very excited. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Shout out to Izzy Adesanya and Jan Blakovich and Ludovic Klein and Hakim Duwadu and everybody else on the card, man. Uh, we truly love the sport. We truly love our fans. Thank you guys so much again. Make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week to break down the next card. We truly appreciate it. You can tell my plays at bestfightpicks.com. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.